electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Yes, it does, and we are live at the NASDAQ market site, and that is New York City's Times Square right behind us here, and this is Fast Money. Melissa getting a well-deserved night off. I am Brian Sullivan. So good to be here again. Your trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Jeff Mills. Welcome, everybody. All right, big show. Tonight on Fast, blockbuster news out of Biogen. Share soaring, the FDA approving the company's Alzheimer's drug. We're going to break down not only the landmark decision, we we'll talk to you about how our traders are playing this and maybe other names around that. Look at that move. Wow. Plus, we are all over the after-hours action in shares of Stitch Fix. Company just reporting results. The analysts called just getting underway. Stock also soaring up 16%. We're going to bring you all the big headlines. And later, apparently it's the year of digging stuff out of the ground. And we are dilling, drilling down on one of the hottest trades in the world, that is oil, crude, hitting its highest level since all the way back in October of 2018. We'll find out why. Talk about some oil stocks. Could add some real energy for your nice. portfolio. You see that? Some things nice. never change. All that ahead. But we begin with the apes going bananas. Wall Street, once again, planet of the AMCs. Shares rocketing higher again today. Retail traders just keep hitting that buy button. But it wasn't the only Colt stock, momentum mover, Reddit, whatever you want to call it, printing money for traders and investors today. Look at those moves. Express, up 16%. Naked Brands, 14 BlackBerry, 14 GameStop, 13 And Microvision, up 10% as well. All this, even as the SEC warns, it is closely monitoring for any potential market disruption being caused by trading in these names. So, with the interest in these stocks <laughs> far from fading, how do we, how do you navigate these markets? Guy Adami, are you starting to get nervous at all? Well, I'm nervous sitting next to you. I mean, it's, it was March, I think, 18, 2020, that the three of us were together, literally here. So it's a year and a half since the three of us have been together. It's great to have you back, Brian. Good I mean, that's Tim, obviously, the first time Tim and I have seen each other in that amount of time. How do you navigate this? Well, just understand, and again, you know, people get honest. It's amazing the vitriol we got last week just trying to bring things up. All we're trying to do is help people navigate the waters. I have no skin in the game in terms of AMC. I, you know, I don't really understand it necessarily. But we're trying to point out, if you think there's fundamentals behind this, think again. The CEO of the company warned you a couple a week or so ago. And remember, this company in December of 2016, when things might have never been better for cinemas, topped out at $40. The stock spent the rest five years going lower. Nothing's changed. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. And here we are with the stock trading where it is. Just understand what you're doing here. Brian, great to see you. Uh, and I believe you said planet of the AMCs um, earlier. And, and so the, look, the, the point that we made on Friday, and I want to make my point clear right now, which is that 
to the extent that this is a company that has had a structural breakdown or whatever the headwinds have been, the guy outlined pretty well in terms of what's going on in the in the theater space. Um, what's going on around AMC may be something very different. Um, uh, also made it clear to say that no one, I think, is endorsing naked short selling. And in fact, um, I think institutional investors and retail investors and regulators are aligned on that issue. There's, there's no question about it. Um, to the extent that has that been a fundamental part of the AMC story? I don't think so. I think the AMC story is, is really one where you've actually seen a change at the top with a broken company where there's a lot of momentum behind what's going on there. Add that to a short interest. Add that to enormous support and momentum uh, in retail Bolton boards, whatever you want to have it, and you have a stock now that people are starting to question whether they can have more life. Doesn't change it for me. I don't think they're a stock that I want to chase here. I don't think they were a stock I wanted to chase $30 ago. Um, maybe I wish I had looking at, at the PL, but ultimately, again, this is a case where uh, I think the stocks in the entire space, as we started the show talking about the broader momentum. Look, I, I look across what, what are my high market cap, excuse me, high multiple screens uh, that I have every day, and whether it's a yeah. Peloton, whether it's a Zoom, um, a lot of those things are DraftKings, which, which I own. And, and I, I think, you know, seeing those things rally tells me more about the market's comfort with where the Fed is, um, where liquidity is, and the fact that there really is a put to this market. Yeah, and without getting really into the weeds, and when you say naked short selling, obviously that's a, that's a term of law. There's regulation around this and as well, yep. and we'll get to Karen and Jeff in a second because Karen did something very cool we want to talk about. But also, just very quickly, Guy, without going too deep in it, here's the thing about naked short selling. You can give the impression of naked short selling, right, having more stock sold short than is publicly available or owned, through these complex things 100%. we've seen, Delta One strategies, synthetic shorts, options trades. It's not like 20 years ago. So you, the traders out there that are playing, oh, that's, that's heavily shorted. Let's go after it. You just need to be careful because there's a lot of ways, right, that, that Wall Street can do things that we don't necessarily see. Without question. I think it was Warren Buffett that said, I think, years ago that derivatives were weapons of mass destruction, or I'm paraphrasing. But when used yep. that way to lever a short position and do it away from the traditional way of doing it, we talk about float. In the environment you just talked about, float really doesn't matter because these things are levered four, five, ten times, which, listen, I'm not privy to Archegos. I have no idea what they did. But one can only surmise that maybe they had derivatives positions so well, they did. I can, I can confirm that right now. There you go. And I, I, I know the trade, and, and you know the derivatives positions, and a lot of that stuff that we talk about, that was part of the reason as well. Get to Karen in a moment. Jeff, I do want to ask you this, though. Listen, with AMC, again, people are making money, and that's great, okay? The average analyst price target on AMC is $5.11. There are eight analysts, or there were. I think B of A dropped out on Friday. Is this a situation where with these names on the analyst, the sell side community, they just need to drop coverage, right? If your price target's five bucks and the stock's at 55, why even be covering the name? Does Wall Street need to make some other adjustments here? I don't know, Brian. I, I think it's almost their responsibility to step in and lay out the fundamental case as they see it. I mean, that's their job. So regardless of what's going on, and, and you know, fundamentals sort of never mattered in the near term, right? Now they're just not mattering for a different reason. But I do think it's their job to step in and, and tell folks what they really think and what they're seeing from a fundamental perspective. And I think, you know, it's our job to then highlight the risk of, of what's going on in the market. And, you know, we're all mm. adults. We're not telling anybody what to do with their money. But, you know, at the same time, there are massive risks here. You can't tell me that there aren't. Uh, you know, ask the folks who bought AMC at 20 and sold it at 5. You know, how, they're, how are they doing? Probably not 
that great. Uh, and the last point that I'll make is, and it's just, again, it goes back to Twitter and, and the conversations that are going on. You know, from my perspective, this isn't hedge funds versus retail. This isn't institutionals versus retail. You know, all of the institutional short sellers, all they're trying to do is make money. There's no secret back room where they're all sitting around and there's some big conspiracy theory. You know, that, that's just not reality. And I hope people understand that. That's well said, but I will say this, Jeff. This show actually is all about telling people what to do with their money. I think that, oddly enough, that, oddly enough, I will say that. All right, let's move on, Karen, because you did something really cool for our viewers today. Because there's all this we talk about short selling, we talk about float. You tried to, I guess, short or maybe did short some shares of AMC. You made some calls. Tell us about what you did today, and more importantly, what you found out. Okay, so I did not try to short AMC or GME, but what I did want to do and what I did do is find out from a couple, you know, the Goldman's, the JP Morgan's of the world, is there stock available to borrow to be able to short, right? The whole thing about naked shorting is the idea that someone doesn't have a borrow. And so I wanted to find out, all right, is that really the case? Can you not get a borrow? And I suspected that those kinds of firms would say, yeah, look, it's a really tight borrow. We can't guarantee you any. And it's a fortune. You've got to pay a ton in interest to borrow it. But in fact, it was not that at all. GME and AMC, both easy borrows, even easier for GME. The, the price to borrow, 60 basis points a year, near nothing. The price of AMC, which I thought would be enormous, 7% per year, which given the volatility that this stock trades with, is nothing, right? It traded well more than that, moved way more than that just today alone. So that tells me the reason that the borrow isn't expensive is because there's not that many people who want to borrow and short it. You don't need to take the risk of being a naked shorter when you can easily just go borrow it from a brokerage firm. So I kind of, to me, that debunks the whole naked short theory. Now, I'm sure I'll be added, you know, but... Um, I don't get the whole thing either. I'm sure if you're a sophisticated option trader, there's money to be made with given the volatility where things are trading. But for me, just a value investor, I, I, this is so, it, it's so divorced from any kind of valuation metric that I would ever use. It could trade at any price. So for me, I'm just going to stay away. It's well, too that's dangerous. why we talk about. I don't about get it. I don't need to get it. I don't need the to play. analyst consensus, Karen, at five dollars and ten cents. But you know they're only a thousand percent wrong, Tim. Yeah, by the but way. they are. But but would it be right for an analyst just because the stock has moved to fifty-six dollars to upgrade the stock to thirty-five? I mean, I, I actually, I, I think it shows an incredible amount of resolve to stand in the pocket and actually keep a five-dollar price target on a stock that's fifty-six bucks um, if your fundamental view hasn't changed and and. and you know, Karen's talking about valuations. She's talking about her, her approach, her investors, you know, her discipline. Um, you know, I think that's really what this comes down to. There are plenty of folks that don't follow that discipline. That's fine. That's been very, very profitable. But to ask an analyst to, to make a call on a stock that makes no sense to their fundamental discipline, especially a sector-specific analyst who knows um, not just the, uh, the balance sheet, the income statement, but also secular tailwinds or headwinds, that's the story. Fair enough. Guy, does it tell you? Karen, by the way, awesome stuff. Does that tell you that, that the short game on these names is over? Well, that narrative is debunked. I mean, we've tried to point it out a number of times. Think about it. And Rich Greenfield came on this show a week or so ago and talked about 
billion and a half shares traded over the course of three or four days. You could have covered shorts four or five yeah. times given that. So, I mean, we tried to point this out, but it doesn't fit the certain narrative that's out there. I will tell you that this move is not a short squeeze in the, his, in the true sense that we talk about it. There are other things going on. To your point about Archegos, I think there are derivative books out there that are on the verge of blowing up. And I think our next guest is going to point out why that might be deleterious, Tim, to the broader like market. You did there. Nice job. Well, speaking of our next guest, let's do that. And he does warn that the wild swings that we are seeing in some of these types of stocks may be signaling a cruel, cruel summer. Yeah, see what we did there with the whole ape. Anyway, for the broader market, Julian Emanuel is BTIG's chief equity and derivative strategist, also a fan of the movie Karate Kid, which that song was featured. Uh, Julian, uh, talk to us about your concern. It, can you connect the dots between, I don't know, 10 or 15 stocks and the macro market? You actually can. But first thing I want to say, it's great to see the three of you back on set together, obviously referencing classic rock. And I'm looking forward to playing sports trivia with you all when it's time to take guests again. Uh, So you, in fact, actually can connect the dots here. If you go back to January, we saw massive levels of speculation. Obviously, the, the stock that is the current superstar of this meme uh, uh, stocks right now was not the same one back in January. We all know what it was. But what you saw was just incredible froth in the options market, option volatilities of a thousand percent. In this case, going back to the end of last week, option volatilities closer to fifteen hundred percent, which really says something in a market that there's been no other clear leadership for the last two months. A market that where we still believe there is some concern with inflation that the Fed is not properly addressing. And frankly, looking at the number of bears uh, on the latest sentiment survey, which hasn't been this low since right before Valmageddon in January of 2018. And we think if, if the music stops in these meme stocks, it could, like February and March, cause more volatility in the broader market. Well, so it all comes down to the Fed and interest rates. I think that's what you're saying, Julian. So we're kind of starting to be hit over the head by Janet Yellen, Lael Brainerd, Bullard, others. I mean, they're kind of starting to say, guess what? Rates are going to go rise. They're going to go up. And Janet Yellen said today, that's not a bad thing. When rates go up, to quote the movie Margin Call, does the music stop or just slow down Uh, on balance it's not a bad thing but we really have to manage this very precisely you know in a lot of ways if you look at the last couple months and we're almost glad to see the the dialogue turning here uh chair powell has been very very you know sort of shrugging off the fact that you have these very very high readings and the fact that the economic data leads you to not be able to truly forecast whether inflation is transitory or is becoming more embedded. So what we would say is in an economy that's growing six, seven or eight percent this year and looks set to grow at, you know, three to four percent next year, it's the right time to start pulling back from monetary accommodation. It's the right way before we make the mistake of letting inflation get too embedded. And if we move in that direction, the market could have a knee jerk sell off which ultimately to us is a buying opportunity. Hey, Julian, actually, let me call you Cobra Kai. So, you know, we have a case here where you're actually, though, bullish financials, 
bullish energy. Um, is, is that even in, in the context of a world where uh, this inflation dynamic and the Fed and rates or, or can, can we ride through this? Because there's fundamental arguments about energy. I, I certainly believe that this, the, the entire sector is different than it was five years ago in terms of how the companies are investing and how they're actually operating for shareholders, not necessarily for growth at all costs. No, no question, Tim. It's a different environment. And you could argue that part of the thesis is to buy time uh, in terms of managing the hydrocarbon business to diversify into other lines of more sustainable business, you know, you know, that makes sense with regard to an electric future. But for us, the fact is that this is a hydrocarbon economy for the next five, call it 10 years, maybe longer, um, in an environment where there's been massive underinvestment here. And if you look at it in the S&P 500, these stocks energy represent 3% of the weight of the S&P 500 versus a longer term average, which granted may not make as much sense, but that number is more like 9%. So could energy go from 3% to 4% or to 6% with the tape staying roughly at 4,200 on the S&P 500? Absolutely, mm. you do those numbers that's a gain in energy of anywhere from 33 to 100 percent. We think it's entirely possible. Wow. And by the way, cheap tease, I'm going to be at an in-person oil and gas conference in Houston in a couple of days. Stop. So, yeah, with these companies that are soaring, by the way, Julian Emanuel, welcome back anytime. As always, thank you very much. All right. I want to expand this conversation. And Karen, I don't know if you can see output where you are, but I want to throw something up because in 1999, I was standing below where we are now and looking at talking about Commerce One and ICGE and CMGI and Pets.com. And I got a picture and there's like $200 and three quarters when we had fractions trades. I want to bring up this cover. And Serge Millman, if you're watching, I, I hope I made your life better the other day because I know you're <laughs> this guy that that him he was doing something with his daughter and everybody starts tweeting at him. That is April of 1998. And the cover of the Forbes, if you're on the radio, it says a bunch of kids are tormenting Wall Street about the rise of day traders. Now they're going to take on the big shops. And, Karen, we all remember that period. And here's the thing. It sounds like Julian's kind of connecting these dots. But I will say this. When that cover came out, it was only another two years, two long years before things really rolled over. History may not always be the same, but it does tend to rhyme. Do you see any connection to the late 90s? Definitely, I see a connection to the late 90s, right? We would have metrics, other metrics at the time, eyeballs, how many eyeballs a site had, and I never really knew if you had one eyeball or two eyeballs per person. It never, but it didn't even translate to any kind of revenue or anything. So I mean, and, and there was just euphoria and a, you know, a, definitely a giant FOMO. But I feel like markets move so much more quickly now. So what was a two-year or more bubble in its making then, I think, could mm. happen a lot faster now. Um, I, and, I, you know, you could make a case that some of the meme stocks will have value one day yeah. and they'll survive and they'll have remade themselves. That could happen. But I just, to me, I can't, I can't get on board. I can't all of a sudden jump on a bandwagon that I don't understand how the valuation works. If you're an option trader, okay, I get it. But yeah, just very quickly, it's Jeff, the same. It's the same. I didn't do it then. Yeah, comment on that, Jeff. Are you are you worried like Julian is? You know, I, I'm not longer term. I mean, I think there's evidence now that the market is deteriorating some just from an internals perspective. If you look at the number of stocks trading above the 50-day, that has started to move lower. So I think there is evidence of some weakness. But I think overall, 
the bull market is still intact. But I do agree with the point that you can see the index actually trade flat because you have a high percentage of market cap that's negatively correlated to rates. And I do think rates drift higher. So you want to be in the energies and the financials of the world, I think, going forward here. Yeah, the lesson here from this whole segment is interest rates matter a lot. And everybody's starting to tell us, guess what? Rates are likely going up. All right, we have got a long way to go. And coming up, we're going to take a bite out of Apple. The company announcing a host of new software and product updates at their developers conference. We'll bring you the trade up, all the big headlines on, by the way, a stock down five of the past six weeks. Plus, a big biotech bump. That's the after hours trade. In today's session, Biogen surged nearly 40% after the FDA voted to approve a new Alzheimer's drug. We'll dig into that trade next when Fast Money returns right after this. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. And welcome back to Fast Money. Major news out of the FDA today on what could be a potentially blockbuster Alzheimer's treatment from Biogen. Stock soaring 38% on the news. Let's get it with Meg Terrell. Meg. Well, Brian, not just a potential blockbuster, but what some are calling potentially the biggest drug of all time. This is the first new drug for Alzheimer's approved in the U.S. in 18 years and the first ever cleared to potentially slow the declines in memory and thinking clearly associated with Alzheimer's disease. Now, there are more than 6 million Americans living with Alzheimer's and about 2 million who are in the early stages of the disease where this drug, which is called Aduhelm, was tested. Now, on top of that is the price tag, about $56,000 a year. By some estimates, more than four times higher than what was expected. But Biogen's stock jumped so much today, not just because of the size of the market, but because it wasn't clear which way the FDA was going to go. The decision was hugely controversial, with a number of doctors and even some who advised the FDA saying the medicine shouldn't be approved because there wasn't enough data to show that it actually works. Now, what the FDA did today was a sort of creative solution, something we see more in 
and cancer drugs. It approved the drug under what's known as an accelerated pathway, based on the fact that it clears plaque buildups in the brain, with the expectation that should lead to benefit with memory and cognition. But the FDA is requiring Biogen to run a confirmatory trial showing those benefits after the drug gets on the market. Now, I spoke earlier today with Biogen CEO, who said they have almost nine years to produce those results. Meanwhile, a number of other stocks across biopharma getting a boost on this news today from Eli Lilly, which has a similar Alzheimer's drug in development, to smaller players across the space, many seeing this as a sign of increased flexibility from the FDA toward drugs in neuroscience. Biogen, or Brian, just toss back to Biogen. I'll take it. Given that move today, Meg, that's a great compliment. <laughs> By the way, doing great work on, on Alzheimer's, giving hope to a lot of families. Call me whatever you want. Thank you very much, Meg. All right, so <laughs> let's uh, let's trade that uh, guy. First off, let's not lose sight of the fact that Alzheimer's. It's amazing news, by the way. This is amazing news for exciting. so many people that yeah. are suffering or have family and friends suffering from Alzheimer's. It's exciting. It's amazing news for Biogenidic. There's probably other angles on this as well. It's the holy grail. We've talked about that for years. And Biogen, I mean, you can go back and look over the years. It's had some fits and starts in this. And this is obviously one of the many starts. But look at where the stock traded today. And then go back to March of 2016 and look at where it topped out at. Now, this is awesome news. But if this was the catalyst you're waiting for in terms of trading the stock, today was your day to get out. I love Biogen. We've liked it for a long time through the good times and the bad times. By the way, their CFO is a Georgetown classmate. With that said, the place to be is Eli Lilly because that's the one within my opinion, you have just better pipeline, better valuation stock, I think, at all-time highs today. You trade Lilly off of Biogen, in my opinion. You're absolutely right, Guy. I mean, chasing something up 40 percent, what's Kind of interesting here, though, for me is that even after a move like this, it's not like Biogen's expensive. This was this was kind of value territory coming in. In fact, if you look at the top uh, handful of names in the IBB, which is the biotech ETF, it, it's that's kind of what you're buying into. You're not buying into the the actually swing for the fences biotech. ETF or, or other names. So you're buying companies that have great balance sheets uh, that have been slow growers. They're almost value plays in the middle of that. So um, look, I, I I don't want to chase this story today, but but Biogen needed this kind of a of a shot as some of their other core pipelines are, are really showing diminishing sales. And I think this is uh, not a valuation that I'm scared of at all. Okay, well said. And by the way, for the past you know 14 months, we haven't talked about anything other than COVID. And there's a lot of bad things out there that that these biotech firms are working on and helping to make better as well. All right, we are just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next. Ready for some updates? Apple unveiling a ton of new product and software changes at its developers conference. The traders are biting into Apple next. Plus, Houston, we have a Bezos. The Amazon CEO buckling up for a space trip with Blue Origin. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Apple unveiling some major updates to its software and some new gadgets at its annual Worldwide Developers Conference today. Let's get the details on what they rolled out. 
with Josh Lipton. Josh. So, Brian, let's start with iOS 15. That's the next version of the iPhone operating system. There, the changes to FaceTime are definitely worth highlighting. So we saw some changes um, to various parts that would potentially bring it into competition with Zoom. New features that would improve, for example, audio and video experiences for users. Also, FaceTime calls will now be supported on Android and Windows devices through a browser. That's a first. So one question for investors is what does all that mean for Zoom? in the long run. iMessage receiving an update, too, with new bells and whistles. Even before this event, remember, Mark Zuckerberg saying he thought of Apple as a rival because of iMessage, and now you see Apple offering additional social features there. The iPad receiving a software upgrade as well with new features designed, Apple says, to make that device more capable and useful, like an improved multitasking system. The iPad, like the Mac, benefiting greatly, we know, as people studied and worked at home over the last year. Question becomes now, did Apple do enough to keep that momentum going? Brian, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Josh. Jeff Mills, jump in here on Apple stock down five of the past six weeks. Do you buy the stock on this news that Josh just rolled out? Well, listen, I think the stock's reaction after the last earnings call really tells the tale. You know, I I was on the show that evening and we were all gushing over the earnings. They, They couldn't have been any better. Um, And the share price is ultimately the arbiter. And I think the verdict is that the valuation, at least for now, is a little bit too high. And Apple's returned over 900 percent ex-dividends over the last 10 years. So maybe it continues to lag for a little while. I think ultimately, if you're a long-term investor like we are in the stock, there's probably still plenty of long-term upside. Uh, It just might not be market outperforming upside, uh, at at least for the near term here. So we're not adding to the name, but we're going to continue to hold it. It's kind of funny, Karen, because for years... I'm old enough to remember when people argued that Apple never gets the valuation respect that it's deserved and it traded like 10 times forward earnings. Now it's at 24 and Jeff says that's too expensive. Where's the sweet spot for Apple? Uh, Well, I guess that 10 times was when it was just really a hardware company, which is a different multiple, right, than the services business. Um, Very similar thoughts as Jeff. I mean, that, that price action on the great earnings call was disappointing. I am long also. I'm going to be a little bit patient. I think, you know, some interesting stuff came out of the the conference. But I think the more, to me, the earnings coming up, I'd like to see how the evolution continues of 5G sales. And the other thing is the Fortnite, um, we're going to see in August, I guess, we're going to hear from the judge what happens there and what that means for services. I think that'll be somewhat of an important event uh, how to value that services, especially if, obviously, if they're, you know, if they have to, uh, they take less. So I'm staying long. I can't stand by it and say, wow, this is super cheap, because it isn't. It deserves a premium multiple. It has a premium multiple, and I'm just going to stick with it. But uh, it was disappointing that last quarter, the reaction, not the quarter itself. Not enough, Karen, to make you add to it. You'll keep what you have, but you're not buying more in any pullback. Right. Guy Dami. I think the ad's in like the right. 113 and 115 level, so Karen's right. But, you know, it's interesting. Now that it's a value stock, it trades with a growth valuation. When it was a growth stock, it traded at a value. <laughs> and we were there that night. Jeff was there. I was there. I think Tim was on as well. We were surprised. The earnings release, the stock was trading 138, wasn't even challenging that prior all-time high. And we collectively said this is really interesting price action. But, you know, you mentioned down five out of six weeks. You know, three good days, and it's right back to all-time highs. Yeah, that 121 level, really important for the stock, although maybe, who knows, because, I mean, $220 billion in cash and a few other levers that they have to pull. I mean, there's reasons why this is, as to me, as solid and, and dare I say, um, 
bulletproof of, of a company. And, and, you know, while we pulled forward a ton in terms of, I think, holiday spending and, you know, the lap, laptops and the kids, you know, staying at home and, and you know, new iPads and whatnot. I mean, I, I think the this 5G refresh that's going on out there is, is something that we still haven't really come to proper terms with. And I think it's something that's going to continue to drive the stock. You know, think about this, guys. Apple's services revenue is probably going to be close to $60 billion soon. Apple, Facebook's total revenue is 85, 90, whatever billion dollars. Apple's second business, their backup business, is bigger than most S&P 500 companies' sales. Yeah, and, it's stunning how big it is tucked into another company. And, and with a healthy growth rate. Um, and, and again, that's, that's really, I think, the number here. So um, people are always waiting for Apple to make that big acquisition. And, and we might be waiting a long time because they found a way to actually become vital uh, in the world of, of the services business. Dare we say, could they guy Adami? The point I was trying to, could they spin off services? No, why? There's no absolute, no. Well, if they get whacked on that, that Epic Games Fortnite case that Karen was talking about, and if the stock isn't getting the valuation no. love as it deserves, because services are hidden away in the phone They belong business. together. That's Listen, why I they mean, work. What was it? Chevron that spun out <laughs> PSX. I think it was, so don't at me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Chevron that spun out PSX. They rue the day. It was McDonald's spun out CMG. I'm sure they also rue the day for Apple to do something like that, my sense is they would. What, Tim? Rue the rue day. day. Sorry, I'm slow. I've never said that to you in real life. You'll rue the day. I, 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 I didn't think you were calling me for that one. Oh, yeah. sorry about that. You'll it's been rue a while. the day for not being ready on that <laughs> one. All right, coming up, good discussion there on Apple. We've got more after hours action in shares of Stitch Fix. The stock ripping higher on the back of results. We're going to bring you all those details, not some of them, all of them, plus Peloton. Moving higher today, we'll tell you what is behind the big move. Everybody said work from home, stay at home was dead. Don't tell that to Peloton shareholders. They've been making money. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We have got an earnings alert on another stock moving in a big way after hours. Stitch Fix. Stock is up 15% on results. Let's find out. What they did. Christina Partsonevelis with all the details. Christina. Thank you, Brian. Well, Stitch Fix stock has a reputation of swinging violently after an earnings report, and today is no different, like Brian highlighted, up 15%. The company reported narrower than expected Q3 loss of 18 cents versus the expected loss of 27 cents, so that was a little bit of an upside. And then net revenue came in higher than expected at $536 million, but that's actually 44% higher than last year. Positive reaction could be in part also to Stitch Fix increasing active clients in Q3 to a total of about 4.1 million. So that's up 20% year to date. And then, or I should say year over year. And these are clients who bought an item directly from its website. So why are we seeing this improvement? Consumers, especially women, are shifting away from loungewear. Maybe time to say goodbye to those jogging pants as women are snapping up miniskirts and rompers. On the earnings call that is still going on, the company said vacation outfits are in demand, suggesting people maybe are ready to take that long-awaited trip. And lastly, Stitch Fix raised its revenue outlook for the full year. On the call, they said they feel well-positioned to take advantage of this shift in shopping habits, which is buying more online, and increased demand for personalized experiences. You can see large after-hour move stock up well over 15%. Back to you. All right, Christina, thank you very much. Karen, let's trade that. I mean, listen, it's not only just getting out. It's obviously 
People want to look good. A lot of people have, have you know, they've worked out or not, whatever. You look great, they, by the way. Uh, thank you. You want to tell the audience, just, I, I don't no. mean to interrupt. Not, now he has to. You're down about you know, 35 handle. I mean, that's a big, that's good for you, man. You look so good. I, well, thank you. You're welcome. Well, down 40 pounds. Yeah. I was 40, 50 pounds too heavy was the problem. Karen, the, they're embarrassing me now, which is hard to do. Karen, the point is, so guys like me got to buy new clothes, right? I guess going the, you know, so is this, a, is this a reason to own Stitch Fix? Well, Stitch Fix is more focused on women, but I think that, you know, the theory applies to, I mean, we saw an interesting statistic from L.L. Bean a few weeks ago, which was that they had more inquiries about inquiries about pants with buttons or zippers than drawstring or elastic, which was a new, uh, a, a big change from during the pandemic. So people definitely want to go out. I mean, good for Stitch Fix. The revenue numbers were great. The guidance was great. The margin was good. All that having been said, though, the stock where it is in the after hours, 60 some odd dollars, is up over 50 percent in the last month. This also does, by the way, have a short interest of about 20 percent, although it is freely available to borrow. I did check on that as well. Um, it, for me, it's just too expensive, but good for them. That was a really tough year, and they, they're coming through great. And I, I think there'll be more momentum, but I feel like a lot of that is already priced in the stock at this level. Well, yeah, I, I hear you, Karen. And you have a case here where we all know that the multiple is, is one that's a price-to-sales price revenue multiple that doesn't make any sense, companies losing money. I, what bothers me is this is a company that's only guiding growth to 21% in the next 12 months. And, and I realize that, you know, Guy is now, Guy, don't, no more drawstrings, pal. Sorry. Yeah, I, mean, I was I, using I, the elastic I, waistband. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it's, it. It, it has a lot of give to it, if you know what I mean. But, I mean, it, it's a case where I, I just, again, the multiple on the stock, um, the move it's had into these numbers makes this after-hours market move uh, that much more dramatic and not one I'm chasing. <laughs> Guy. Let's turn now to our call of the day. Check out Peloton. That stock moving higher after Loop Capital slapped the buy rating on Peloton saying the company's recent treadmill recall will have a limited impact on the company. Jeff Mills, everybody said these kind of everybody's going to go back to the gym, the stay-at-home, work-from-home stocks, they're toast. Peloton has been red hot. It has been, but I still think the valuation is maybe a little bit stretched, even though we've seen a pullback here. You have to think that growth rates continue to fade a little bit. I mean, gyms are reopening. It is clear that people are going back to the office at least in some capacity. I don't, I don't think home fitness and that growth there is going away. I just think that the reopening hurts a little bit. There is a lot of competition. Tonal just raised $250 million. You have Beachbody, you have Mirror. It's a really long list. And like I said, this stock is still very expensive. So you have these really high growth, really high multiple names. It's just not where I want to be right now. All right, not where he wants to be, but the 6.5% move up. I guess some people disagree. All right, coming up. It is a bird. It is a plane. No, it is just Jeff Bezos in the sky. The Amazon CEO is heading to space next month. We have got all the details on that trip coming up. Plus, the oil and gas trade powering up. Crude crossing its highest level in more than two years. Traders fueling up on that one. How can you still make money in oil's big move? We'll talk about that and more. We're back right after this. And welcome back to Fast Money. Some really cool, out-of-this-world news from Jeff Bezos today. The billionaire saying he will take part himself in Blue Origin's first human spaceflight next month. 
A flight will come just weeks after Bezos steps down as Amazon's CEO. I mean, what board is going to let him go up in space if you're the CEO? That vote of confidence for civilian space travel helping boost shares of Virgin Galactic today. That stock rising 10.5%. Tim, your take. Look, exciting. First of all, I appreciate the, the, the dedication to science and the cutting edge here. I, I, you know, I think the fact that these stocks are doing what they're doing um, goes back to our first segment of the show tonight. I, I just think that the frothiness around um, some of these stocks that really are never going to make money anytime soon um, and are trading on these types of headlines is part of the market we're in. Well, it's like Jeff Bezos is going to the movies. Right. So it moved AMC. He's going up in space. So Virgin Galactic may, you know, has this is proof. One of the best and smartest businessmen of our generation is endorsing it literally with his life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. He's going up. You're not getting me up there. I mean, and I've said it a number of times. The way you play this is you buy the people that make Bonine and Dramamine, quite frankly. That's that's your hedge. But good for Jeff Bezos and good for Steve Grasso who has been steadfast in his uh, love of SPCE. I I think you take the money and run here. I would understand why you want to stay with the namespace. I also point out that Amazon, the stock, has now been trading sideways literally since since September. Well, yeah, okay, I'll even give you July. Yeah, back to July. Which is pretty remarkable if you think of the context of the broader market. Along with Apple, right, and Amazon not performing, the money maybe has to go somewhere. All right, coming up. We're going to be digging into the oil trade because crude oil is at its highest level in more than two years. But what does that mean for the oil stocks, which have already been on fire? Is it time to dump them or buy more? Talk more about all of that. We're back right after this. Miss a moment of fast? Catch us anytime on the go. Subscribe to the Fast Money Podcast. All right, let's give you a little sneak peek, a little taste, if you will. The Kramer Cam. Jim is speaking with the CEO of T-Mobile. Catch that full exclusive interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. Meantime, check out crude oil soaring lately, briefly above 70 bucks a barrel. Many oil stocks surging as well. Let's trade this, Tim. Do you think oil stocks are undervalued or oil is itself overvalued and is going to come down because there's a big gap between the two? Well, relative to the oil price here, they're cheap. And, and relative to, I think, how they're running their businesses, as I said earlier with, with Julian Emanuel, that I think a lot of these companies are fundamentally different companies than they were investing. Uh, what I say about commodities all the time is you don't buy commodities when they're cheap. You buy them when they're expensive, uh, especially commodity stocks. And I think the momentum here, look, um, where we are with commodities right now, um, Outside of where we were going into the financial crisis, I'm not saying that's where we're going with this, but in terms of where we had a commodity supercycle bubble, we're, we're back to early 70s in terms of commodity prices overall. Um, this doesn't, just doesn't happen uh, overnight, and it doesn't end overnight. Um, and I think until the Fed really puts their boot on what's going on that we talk about all the time, I, I think oil can run higher. And again, the pain trade is that it runs higher. And the pain trade for a lot of people is also that could include airlines whose hedges are not what they used to be. And some of these companies and even you saw this at the EOG in their last quarter numbers too. some of those energy names. And I know you know this, Brian. um, These guys were were hedged out at numbers where they're not necessarily collecting the windfall that it appears. So make sure you know what you're buying. Excellent point about the balance sheet. Some of these companies, by the way, have come out of bankruptcy. So a lot of the debt has been scrubbed off. Jeff Mills, if you bring up like a 10 year chart of the price of oil and Tom Lee, this is his chart, by the way, and he's done great work on it. If you bring up oil versus the XOP or the XLE or the OIH, whenever oil was at 70, basically where it is now, the price of these names was 10 or 15, $20 higher 
than they are now. So to Tim's point, to Tom Lee's point, something is mispriced here. Yeah, I think there's a catch-up to be had in energy stocks. And if you look at the way things are trading just around energy, the stocks paused for about three months, right? But if you look at the credit spreads, they actually continued to tighten throughout that period of time. And now you have 95% of energy names trading above their own 50-day moving averages. So there's a lot of momentum there. I think the XLE holding 47 was really Mm. important. Um, But how you get exposure is important. Energy is top-heavy, and I think a lot of the best charts are away from those big three. Yeah, we're showing, Guy, look at the chart. Okay, so the white line there, guys, is the price of oil. And for the first time in 10 years, the price of oil on a relative basis is higher. Look at that again. Higher than the stock. I'm looking at it. You don't have to tell me twice. I see it. And I happen to agree with you, Tom Lee, Tim Seymour, Jeff Mills, the general. Karen, if she gets in on this, because she's bullish as well. I do think energy stocks are going to catch up. And we've mentioned, we mentioned Phillips 66 20 minutes ago. We'll mention it again. 92 close today. Highest it's been in many, many years. I think it's going to ratchet up to 110. And you're going to start seeing analysts have to raise their numbers. I think there's a J.P. Morgan energy conference on June 22nd, if memory serves. You own these stocks into that. Wait, 110 on oil? No, the stock. Oh, it's going to say. I was I mean, like, I am not, Guy Adami? I'm not, you know, listen, I mean, I'm calling I'm for a buck there, 10 oil? Karen, Karen Feinerman. I mean, look at, I'm just, look at the chart, Karen. <laughs> I can't. I can't see it, actually. But it's I, a, I it's imagine it's an orange quite line bullish. and a white line, and the white line is above <laughs> the orange line. Okay. Given that, no, Guy, <laughs> thanks for saying I've been bullish. I haven't. I've actually been underweight energy. You know, I look at energy being in contango and I, you know, I think this, the the near term price, maybe we'll see it continue or not. But if I had to increase my exposure, I would either do it through the OIH or the OSX if you want not just oil services, but if you want, you know, other parts of, you know, drilling and um, and production, then I would do the OSX. But I've been underweight. Maybe that's all changing, though. All right, let's bring in now Mike Coe for a look at some interesting options activity in one of the big energy names. Mike, what caught your eye today? I was taking a look at ConocoPhillips. That traded about 1.8 times its average daily put volume. And the big trade that caught my eye was the 58.5-58 put spread that traded at expiring at the end of this week. A thousand of those traded. But it was only a 10-cent trade, basically making a bet that the stock could give back 3% by week's end. The other big trade was a sale of the August 55 puts. So I don't think this is overwhelmingly bearish. Just a little bit of a bet on a small pullback by week's end. Okay, Mike, thank you very much. And as always, for more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. It's every Friday. We've got to still tell you this. 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, your final trades. Quick final trades. Kick it off, Tim. Yeah, Alibaba. Jeff. Long builder, short reads. Karen. Had to sell a little Lily today. Guy. Blackstone, all-time high today, Brian. Blackstone, all-time high today. All right, there you go. That was a fast final trade. Thanks for watching Fast Money. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.